Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober. The podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi there, welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. And today it's Kate and I having a chat. Um, Yeah, we thought we'd talk a little bit about motherhood um, and Mothering Sunday in the UK is uh, this this Sunday, so we thought it was kind of appropriate time, and and also to talk about um, Love Yourself Sober, uh, which is our first book. We can say that now because our second book is is kind of yeah we finalised the back cover and the front cover and things mm. like that today, so it's pretty exciting. Um, but yeah, that's all around the kind of subject of motherhood and and why we chose that subject and why kind of. The conversation around alcohol and being in caring roles and our experience of being mums was so sort of important and 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 also kind of to finish on what we've gained from being sober in terms of of being mums mm. um so yeah just check in to start with so hi Kate how are you doing oh I'm all right thank you I think the sun is shining and we've been speaking for quite quite, uh, quite length today already, haven't we? We have, yeah. <laughs> so it's like... Having deeper want... meaningful. Yeah, yeah, so like um, I've been to voice coaching today, which is mm-hmm. super exciting, yeah. And we were just talking about, well, we got quite deep on that, didn't we? Mm-hmm. But yeah, in terms of, um, in terms of sort of, yeah, a kind of professional development, but also a kind of personal development for me because I've always worked with the voice of song, being a singer. Um, but I do have that kind of anxiety around public speaking, which sounds ridiculous because, like, all we ever do is freaking talk. <laughs> it's like we ever shut up. But yeah, there's just a sort of another another layer of that, and um, yeah, just decided to to explore that and it's just been it's been amazing actually so yeah I feel good it feels like it feels like self-care it really does Mm. it feels like I don't want a talking therapy I don't want to go to a yeah I don't want a coach at the moment I don't really but 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 being in that that therapeutic way of working with my body and my voice really was brilliant this morning you know so Mm. yeah so all good in the hood here what about you uh yeah same same sunny here I love how we always talk about the weather um (laughs) so yeah it's definitely yeah it's been lush this week it's like 20 degrees um and that really helps me for sure um and yeah I'm good um yeah again I've just started taken a shift in my own sort of personal development you know that I have been seeing a therapist for about a year uh, which I decided to that it was time to move on to something else um, and switch over to coaching which has just been brilliant you know um, really kind of empowering and exciting really exciting to kind of actually yeah sort of look to the future a bit and you know on the kind of subject of motherhood like my daughter will be 16 this year my son's 14 so I yeah it was a real kind of need or a real want just to start looking future focused a bit about how to yeah 
do that transition and what I mm. want as in sort of personally professionally so yeah it's quite exciting yeah so we've both been kind of looking after ourselves really haven't we yeah. and that is is kind of almost takes me back full circle to where we kind of started and what the idea in terms of working with women and working with ourselves and what were the missing pieces for us in terms of that kind of looking after our mental, physical, emotional health, our, you know, and putting that self-care. And I think that's pretty amazing that we've both come together this morning and I'm, you're like, what have you done? And I'm like, oh, I saw a voice coach. What have you yeah. done? I got myself a coach. It's like, <laughs> yay, walk in the walk. Yeah. Finally, yeah. finally the walk back. Yeah, well, I think, um, yes, we might have hit a slight, pers- you know, rock, not, no circumstances are our own, but last year, not the, the year that will not be mentioned, the year that will not be spoke of. Um, yeah, it's time for enough of that, isn't it? Enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Move, move on to better times. Um yeah, and interestingly, I was we're we're doing quite a lot on our website at the moment, aren't we? And kind of what we want, love sober, what the mission is really, and yeah. coming back to our kind of core values as a partnership. Um, and yeah, I put something in the group about the PERMA model this morning, you know, which is Martin Seligman's positive psychology um kind of framework for well-being. Um and you know that that is one of the kind of founding principles that love sober is is based upon you know and and remembering that that yeah as you said you know we came into this searching for answers of we could get sober but how did we you know stay sober and love sober and what did we need and in, in terms of not holistically sustainably um the skills and the the desires to yeah to sort of keep at it really which part of you know that is that positive you know it's purpose um oh god I'm gonna engagement um relationships uh meaning and achievement I believe mm. um so yeah, my yeah. mind went blank then yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think that's yeah. right um but anyway blah 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 yeah yeah, and it's those. Um, I was talking to someone yesterday, actually, and and realizing that again, going back to those core values of moving the conversation away from being broken, there being something fundamentally wrong with us, there being yeah, there's it being character defects and being powerless mm. to to saying to asking better questions, to saying what's going on for you, how are you feeling, what do you want what's not working for you and looking at it holistically looking at it and quite frankly looking at it sensibly Mm -mm. and you know not just accepting the norm and not just accepting what's gone before because it's the only model so I was just laughing and quite frankly (laughs) quite frankly sensibly but it is so isn't it it's like can we not can we we can well, we used to say before we tried to clean up our act, we would been calling bullshit on things. Yeah. And now it's like, quite frankly, we're just being sensible about it because <laughs> we're trying to be really professional. But um, yeah. Um, I've got it in front of me. I did make a mistake. So PERMA is positive emotion, engagement, relationships, mm-hmm. meaning and accomplishment. 
and those are the kind yeah. of yeah the 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 things of of yeah under underpin a lot of what mm. we do and what we kind of want people to know that sobriety kind of opens up the door to yeah. looking after yourself you know and again yeah. yeah sort of had that working with the intention of like how can I best look after myself today yeah. mind body and soul um which is number one not putting a toxic yeah. you know substance that wrecks my brain and my body and makes me feel shit about myself yeah um, yeah exactly so mothering sunday uh, mm. this is the sort of thing that i because i'm not very as you know very good with any celebratory things <laughs> this is one of those things that passes me by and then i get an angry phone call from my dad um <laughs> to remind me mm. um you got any plans well I'm actually working because I'm doing the vision boarding workshop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, lovely vision boarding workshop. But I'd completely forgotten that it was Mothering Sunday when I booked it in. Because, as you know, the d- things around all the diary thing mm. are not is not my strong suit. And I honestly think that's, that is the menopause. Like, it's got definitely there is a real struggle in terms of looking at at an online calendar and realizing the whole of my life and what needs to go where Mm. um so anyway I did get a little bit of a shirty phone call from my mother well are we not are we are we meeting up (laughs) I got the tone do you know what I mean are we going to do anything and I said to her I'm really sorry but my head's in work because it was yesterday and I was flat out I had lots of stuff going on um so I said um I can't talk right now I will come back to you I'm working but again I was quite proud of myself because you know I could have got really cross and gone moaned at her which I sometimes Mm. do but I was like no no I just put a boundary in there and then I checked my diary um and I also talked to my husband and my lovely well-meaning husband goes um well, you know, well, we could all come out together. We could all do something together. And it's entirely about what you want. <laughs> in my head, I just, think I just want to be, left, be left alone. Yeah. I just want it to be really simple because it's yeah. the first time I've run this particular workshop. And I was like, okay, I really just want to, I kind of need to still be in my zone for that. Mm. Um, so I said, yeah, I don't know. I might just sort of m- m- pop out and meet my mum for a bit. And he said, yeah, or we could all calm it. You know, it's entirely up to you. (laughs) I went round that, round around that bit. And I just said, you know, I am hearing that. I don't know yet. And I'll let you know, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I was clear about that. Anyway, so finally got something, finally got something that would fit during the day, going to Parham House, having a lovely coffee, going for a walk, looking at Magnolia Blossom. Got it sorted, can come home. And then I got a phone call from my mum going, I've been offered my COVID vaccination top up, so I can't meet you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so anyway. I'm free now. Well, I'm still yeah. doing I'm doing a workshop. What anyway, what about but it's not for you? It's, it's not for me, uh, yeah. So, you know, like compassionate response. It's not the same date in France, so hmm. hence why I don't remember. Um so yeah I don't have any plans um but yeah if you're wondering what Kate's talking about with the workshop um she is running a um a vision boarding workshop so if you are interested the link will be on the bio uh, the the notes so 
um, if you you should be able to still sign up I'm yeah saying you can that. still sign up yeah. yeah we'll put the link on that'd be nice and it's yeah vision boarding to create um yeah the so your sober self looking positively into future and engaging our creative uh processes to yeah just to work with a different media because often we talk don't we think ourselves into it so we've got a few exercises just to get the creative juices flowing and to play with with vision boarding nice um so uh motherhood alcohol our book um yes i suppose yeah the question i suppose to start with is why why is it such an important focus in our work and the book yeah i mean it was fundamental wasn't it it was it, i think it's how we connected and i think it was how we it was during that rite of passage into motherhood that things it became very apparent that our lifestyles our individual lifestyles weren't sustainable and alcohol really had become was impacting not only us but but our people around us or our whole families and we'd entered into that that stage of life where it we couldn't feel like we were just those kind of kid adults mm. anymore and there was that that feeling of loss there was a, such a lot of you know we needed so much compassion we needed support we needed to ask better questions and we needed strategies and community and connection and, and actually we weren't getting that we were getting a lot of messages around mummy wine time we were trying to connect with mums groups or trying to do it all it was almost like we didn't know how to do be a mum yeah that next stage yeah yeah wasn't it yeah, and I think like now our kind of understanding of it more from a professional point of view in terms of how stressful that period of time is for women um, and how vulnerable women are. And I hate using the word because, you know, yes, we're strong, resilient, like women, like we're feminists, well, but um, actually like, yeah, women are physiologically incredibly vulnerable at uh, you know in early motherhood certainly you know because like trauma is a big word but in terms of your stress and your nervous system so much has changed you know you might have had a difficult birth you might have had you might have been trying you might have had IVF you might have you know had loss you might be a, an older mum or a young mum you might be a single mum like them that having a child the physiological changes in the body the hormones all of those things make us vulnerable to the effects of alcohol mm. and we are systematically targeted at that time to drink alcohol for stress relief mm. so yeah it's sort of taking the lid off that and going this is actually a real thing yeah um you know and certainly from my experience I know that like having a child had an incredible like trauma response from my own past experiences you know that sent me into a complete tailspin in terms of my emotional regulation I had a lot of rage I had a lot of fear I had a lot of worry you know like I'd yeah given birth to something that was so precious and I loved so much and I was utterly obsessed with how I could keep them safe mm. and not have the same 
things happen to them that happened to me Mm. I couldn't cope Mm. and therefore alcohol became my friend in that coping strategy um you know and in terms of yeah kind of hypervigilance and not sleeping you know it was number one you know the thing that knocked me out to sleep um when I couldn't sleep so Mm. and I know I'm not the only one Mm. um and yes so I think that was part of the reason why, you know, we wanted to write a book specifically for mums. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking about this earlier as well, that kind of narrative that self-care is selfish, you know, and that, again, kind of calling bullshit on this concept that, you know, to be a good mum, you have to self-sacrifice. You know, to be a good mum, you have to put your everyone's needs before your own mm-hmm. and flipping that on its head and saying you know if you are not well no one no you can't help anyone else so you looking after yourself is the opposite of selfish yeah you know um and and to pick up your the the point about you know the resilience strong the strength of women but the vulnerability of women it reminded me of my chat on here with um irene lyon um and her saying that it, it was, I think she was half Filipino and she had gone back to the Philippines and her husband, who is Canadian, um, had commented and they were like, you know, they were in this bus and it was full of chickens and there was loads of noise and it's full of people and, and full of kids. And he said, I can't hear any children, like I never hear any children crying and never hear any babies crying. And they got talking about this in terms of those bonds, community connections and how important they were. And she said, I remember her saying, under no circumstances should any woman be sent home from a hospital on her own with a baby. Mm. It's like, as an animal, we are not wired for that. That is already trauma on the mother's nervous system and therefore our achievement to our children is just like it's all, it's, it's not right at the moment. And so this bit about, yes, we are really, really strong, but we're supposed to be doing it together. We're supposed to be connected, not mm. alone. And yeah. that, piece of that being so isolated which so many of us are as new moms um is is a a really key piece and and alcohol marketing really speaks to that as well it's that fear that's disconnection that loneliness that being stuck at home you know a lot of that yeah you can only bond with me and you can only Mm. socialize with me and all of that and I think that's really interesting again in our own experiences and you know experiences we've spoken to a lot of women about um in, in that sort that sort of yeah that suburbanization kind of mm. you know the sense that a lot of women you know when they become well a lot of families you know move away from their support yes. systems because of economics yeah you know when they have kids you know so that was our experience both of us we were in places where we knew no one you know trying to make and attach new bonds to people socially um with a baby you know um and that's something that is yeah in terms of it's everywhere that like you know people are are doing that it's very rare that people will stay I mean I had no desire to to stay either uh, you know to recognize that but 
um the fact that yeah we are so isolated now in ways that we were never yeah sort of physiologically um as you say as animals sort of yeah. meant to be yeah um, it's that it's that modern you know modern post-industrial society experience it's almost like we're speaking from within the matrix you know we've made choices we've moved away from it but we're still all of our experiences have been framed by the matrix of Mm. you know of our modern modern post-industrial patriarchal worlds basically (laughs) so um it's no wonder that we have struggled because essentially it's not it's not supporting women through our our life cycles and I don't think we didn't know that did we when we decided to get sober to first start a podcast to write the book you know again like you said there has been that sort of professional shift in that intellectual understanding and processing um and I just feel so grateful once again to Lucy for setting up Soberistas Mm. because again that was that that connection community then you know us being able to piece our stuff together connected um and part of, you know, why we wanted to set Love Sober up as well, to bring together that bit. And, and like you said, that self-care, mm. um, the positives, the positive psychology, what do we actually want to create? <laughs> what yeah. do we want our lives to look like? Um, yeah, yeah. It's like how, how much is alcohol taking me away from the life that I want to live mm. and the person I want to be? You know, it was so obvious yeah. to me but I just couldn't get there. You know, it's just that fundamental question. It's like, are you happy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, does alcohol take away more than it gives? You know, there's that thing, isn't there in acceptance and commitment therapy? Um, that's such a good question to ask. And I think we do ask it a little bit in the book at the beginning, if I, if I remember rightly, but I think we can get really caught up in all of this narrative around alcohol about well you know the the old one you know am I an alcoholic what does this mean is this normal is that normal um and this question is not is it true but is it is this helpful Mm. (laughs) does this help me (laughs) and um that's that's a different question and and when we ask that we know that actually you know that doesn't doesn't matter what you want to label it doesn't matter what you want to call it it's like how is this how is this how are you experiencing this Mm. um but you know to be honest you know asking that question back eight years ago felt and before I before we found Sobristus felt terrifying it felt like asking it into an echo chamber because there were no there were no groups there were no positive role models of connections mm. and you know for us to have work there so no yeah. and uh, yeah and, uh, and it's also that thing of like once you see it you can't unsee it you know and it's like once you go sober you can't go back no. it's just like um you know and oh god I lost so many years trying to like you know moderate or drink or whatever and it was just like but I knew I could see things and I would there was that disconnect you know because like now when I watched I was watching the BAFTAs and uh, you know it's like how many of those people don't are sober you know that was just like oh they I know they don't drink either you know and I sit there and I tell the kids they're sober as well oh yeah they're (laughs) sober as well you know it's like my little like you know and I because I'm proud of it like I spot it all the time um 
but yeah it's like the great unknowing before it's just like no one exists like me um and then you start to see it and and then you kind of put your picture together Mm. um I think I would have found that question does this help me quite challenging because it was like in the short term yeah Mm. but overall no and it was like I think a lot of the work we do in that kind of sustainability with clients and on our courses and stuff is about you having that resilience and that overarching experience that it doesn't you've got something else in the toolkit and you've got something else you know yeah. that is a better tool because it's it like, a better tool exactly yeah. yeah and that no that's very interesting isn't it because it is it's that what we've been using for x y and z it's it's back to that it's like well we need better coping strategies yeah or x y and z not alcohol alcohol's been sold as the big coping strategy it's no wonder we used it as the big coping strategy however yeah yeah and you were saying we were going to talk a little bit about page 230 yeah 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 yeah. well i opened it we were talking about what you know it almost feels like when i when i look at it you know and we called it our book baby didn't we it's like when i look at it i feel like somebody else wrote it i have to say it feels like another lifetime (laughs) beyond before last year that is the year that should not be mentioned (laughs) oh my god and um yeah and it was like there's the you know the emotional the emotional toolkit and getting under the under the hood of why you know why we might have thought it was helpful and shall I read the list yeah yeah okay so and I just read this lovely big bold text which made it easier to calm uh when we are feeling agitated and want to calm down and get a boost of chill out hormones so yeah yeah I used alcohol to try and calm down so what can we do yoga breath practice butterfly hugs walking in nature swimming knitting gotten this using bitter orange in a perfume burner or um mm. yeah an essential oil thing epsom salts snuggling under a weighted blanket and you know when i read it's like yeah all of those things help calm you down it's like and how i would have just used alcohol to calm you down that's like yeah that, that was the tool and and the the you know the irony that it does the opposite yeah. of calming you down because yeah. it's also a stimulant so yeah and then the next day all your brain chemicals are trying to re- redress the balance so you're feeling much more anxious so yeah. yeah so that doesn't help to change when we're feeling sad or bad we want to make ourselves feel better now that would be that kind of um that goes with the, the to excite as well which that it's that lighting up the um that ventral vagal bit of social engagement isn't it and those now that we and i remember that a lot of the early days was just trying to calm, just trying to calm, just come out of fight flight, just try and manage those triggers and then going along. And I think this is why people hit those flat lines. It's like, right, I've done that, but I haven't then done that. How do I light myself up? So there's that dancing, laughing, connecting with others. Um, I was speaking to someone this week about really um, turning to the moment and elevating whatever that moment is by adding, well, we've talked before, haven't we? Sensory stacking. Mm. um she was talking about going to Brighton and I think it was going to um Morocco's the ice cream parlor on the seafront Mm. and just thinking oh I'll just have I'll just 
pick an ice cream or whatever and a friend going oh my goodness look at that color that color that smell that smell and it occurred to her that she could engage in this in a totally different way with her senses and I just thought that was beautiful mm. so that I've been like, having that experience with food have you I, yeah because I've been doing the whole 30 and not not at all in terms of a diet but because I've had for years problems with my gut and I just it just came to the right moment I've always been attracted to that because one of their forbiddens is alcohol so mm. I kind of respect it in the sense that it doesn't just go oh, try and drink a little bit less it's like mm. you don't drink alcohol for 30 days you don't you know you don't no dairy no sugar mm. and no yeah. grains and no like pulses uh, but what the the thing that I've so I've you know lots of habit things that I've used around this so you know I made myself accountable like I asked my friends if I could um just send them you know images pictures of my food and stuff like that which has given me really positive feedback because so I make it look nice you know so I've got this blue bowl and I've been having like lots of fruit in the morning but one of the things I've noticed now is that it's that kind of eat the rainbow thing is that when I when my plate is too beige Mm. I'm like oh there's something wrong here Mm. Um, so it's really like yeah it's a real sensory like visual thing I'm like there's something wrong here and I'm like oh right I'll whack some salad on or I'll cook some green beans or I'll you know cook some carrots or whatever it's like I need more than two colors two or three colors on the plate and then I'm like oh okay it feels Mm. like this is going to be yeah sort of nutritious which is really yeah really interesting because it's nothing more than an aesthetic that goes oh yeah there's a warning bell around this yeah but that goes to us the fact that we are supposed we are multi-sensory animals so Mm. we are supposed to be we're heavily visual aren't we as well and a lot of our brain power goes into visual stuff Mm. so that would feed into that I guess but yeah that, that that it would make sense so that as an animal we know what to eat yeah. <laughs> they look but they look palatable to us and satisfying. yeah exactly not just like a yeah like beige bread with beige yeah but that's yeah. It, it yeah um but yeah so that's and and that has been a real learning for me recently about how much my kind of visual is a really important sensory need for me like color mm. how actually it's always been a thing like Mm. you know like color being in my life and and not um yeah and being impacted by the blue sky and the green grass and yellow flowers and just really like noticing that actually that Mm. can pet me up that's one of the things that excites me you know yeah Um, and for a really long time I was basically just wearing black and gray and and navy blue and now it's like, okay, I'm done with that. Yeah. How lovely that there are all those tools that we, and I think that, you know, the sensory toolkit is such a big part. And actually as moms, you mm. know, I think there's nothing that like makes you, well, in a, in a way that I didn't like at the time, feel like an animal as when I was, had just given birth and I was breastfeeding. I just like, felt proper feral, mm. but you know, I think, now with what I know now (laughs) I might have enjoyed it a bit more quite frankly because Mm. I was it was actually 
those those opportunities. Wow, it was the reality of being very physical, very, you know, and the kids are very sensory, aren't they? It's all mm-hmm. about senses. It's all about touch. It's all about engagement. Mm-hmm. Those early bits, um, and then that what you said really reminded me of the wonder of um, you know sobriety and having little kids is when you have to like because they see everything afresh they see everything for the first time and I remember going wow you know dew on a spider's web Mm. in the morning you know my son was just like couldn't take his eyes off it it was just like he'd just seen the crown jewels you know like the richest diamonds in the world and it made me look at everything again and that is a real beautiful sort of gift of sobriety yeah catch those those special moments yeah what's next on the list in the book oh what's next on the list yeah to comfort uh Mm. when we're feeling sad or upset in any way we want to comfort ourselves so yeah i know definitely um yeah definitely used alcohol for that yeah yeah 100 um self-care first and foremost we find having a good cry helps. So does human contact. Yeah, definitely. Form of hug or massage, eating nurturing food, nurturing foods with loved ones, performing random acts of kindness. So there's that mm. sort of connection, common humanity thing. Um, I often think with that, when we're when we stress drink and emotionally drink when we're mums, it's almost about being efficient, like mm. just trying to have the least impact on it ironically the least impact on anyone else do something in the quickest amount of time because we are so time poor drained of resources so we're just trying to band-aid over it aren't we so we can crack yeah yeah so true and you know and I, I really remember I'll never forget sort of having that conversation with one of our the members of Love Sober about how you know being hungover was her her rest time you know, and it again, it was an efficient way to be able to be left alone yeah. and be able to stay in bed. And it just struck me as something so incredibly sad. Yeah. Um, about, yeah. you know, that, up. yeah, that 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 has been the yeah, the the way that we've come to try and get by, you know, it's just like to ruin our system and our mental health and and all the things, you know, just so we can just actually, yeah, rest, you know. And that choice element as well, it's almost like, you know, I, you know, I choose to put this in, I choose to rest. Yes, we need to rest, but that it's almost like the only time that you're given permission to is when you physically can't like yeah. you're ill or you're hungover and being hungover is being ill yeah it's literally being poisoned isn't it yeah so it's like how did we get to how did we get to that point where we can only stop and rest we're only allowed to we only give ourselves permission to and are yeah. given permission to when we physically can't do something yeah. and when you really start looking at it I start to get quite cross again I'm like, yeah again that just brings like, up, yeah really you're fucking having a joke and and I guess the kind of the compassionate lens of that is that a lot of us feel like we are not worthy for whatever messaging or whatever's been underneath is that we are are not worthy of more so it's kind of like when we put ourselves in those positions we're confirming the narrative that 
we don't deserve more than what 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 we've done to ourselves you know it's that kind of so it's really kind of and that's why again like self-compassion and self-love which has got a bad rap but you know it's got to start with us yeah it's you know so key because it's like you're yeah you're really going to keep confirming yeah the lowest version of yourself mm. you know or are you going to just yeah just well it does start with us you know and that self-compassion is such a key part of it because we have to do the work we have to do the work to heal ourselves and in doing that you know that sounds quite heavy but that self-love that's and the self-care being um a way into that often the only thing that's available may be just okay well I I think I may be able to just give myself a bath I might not be able to kind of do x y and z or you know even think that kindly of myself but I can just pull myself a really nice bath and just lie in that and those can start that muscle of self-kindness and self-compassion and it is that sort of you know on so many levels you get me all yogi on this about ahimsa and non you know non-harming and yeah it all starting with ourselves but also from that nervous system level we have to heal we have to heal our nervous systems we yeah have it's almost to self-soothe because so otherwise sort of, oh. yeah I was sort of thinking about you know how can you approach that because it's like well if that's been the sort of the narrative you know unconscious or conscious for for you know and it was for us right so we're not speaking from non-experience but you know that we were not for whatever reason worthy of being well I think the thing that I, that helped me or yeah, something is to try and think about is when you find yourself in that, it's that kind of transactional analysis, isn't it? It's like when you find yourself in that narrative, it's like identify who's speaking, Mm. you know, is it the critical parent? Is it your lost child? And being able to just sit there, you know, hands on heart and go, I am not there right now. I am an adult and there was something so incredibly powerful when I realized that I was an adult Mm. and that I could choose and that I didn't you know I was no longer 19 and trying to keep up with my mates I was no longer like a kid trying to you know get approval from others I was an adult I was you know when I first started trying to get sober whatever I don't even know how old I was 34 four or whatever 33 um yeah it was just like oh actually I don't need to buy into that now permission somehow isn't there yeah it's like just to to take you know take that power back I suppose from that voice and go actually I'm no I'm an adult now I don't need to yeah I think for me it felt like um it was nearly having to come out of the mind. So identifying voices mm. wasn't what I need, what my, what I needed. But it was that feeling. There was something feeling here. And I, I was thinking about how when people say, you know, I don't know how 
you know that that I don't feel like that I don't know how to love myself I don't know what that feels like and that feeling of looking at my daughter or my son and just going I know right I know that feeling that feeling feels like I'm going to take the bullet for you I love you so so much like I'll Mm. just be there I will stand in front of the storm (laughs) you know like that that's Mm. I love you and then in that moment when you feel like that you literally catch it and shove it back shine it back at yourself and go okay because if you felt like that you know what that feeling is Mm. it's like you can feel like that and then you can just go okay oh and try and just breathe it inwards just isn't that interesting how we yeah how we approach things the cerebral (laughs) and yeah yeah body up or my head down you know it's really interesting but I love that it's like yeah if you don't know what that feeling's like yeah it yeah, could be a pet, like right? Or it could yeah. be, yeah. But since we're, talk- since we're talking about motherhood, that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I really like that. Thank you. I will take that on for myself. Aww. Is there anything else on the list or is that? Oh, not the list. To release when we're experiencing extreme emotions such as anger, sadness, frustration or elation. So that's being very activated. So doing some vigorous exercise, running, cardio. I thought you said sex then <laughs> made me laugh because I literally didn't no no that's like that's just so not happening <laughs> that part of motherhood yeah going out in the sunshine singing shouting writing scribbling upping the protein um and then this two center when we feel out of control stressed or some of the mm. things now that's a big thing isn't it because of that feeling of overwhelm and feeling out of control and stressed yeah um what are the things that you do now if you feel out of control and stressed how do you center um well i i'm not always the best at this this is still a work in process um so i certainly um kind of count on trusted people to share awareness around that um like you and my husband and um a couple of other friends that I'll I'll kind of feel it out you know I'll I'll advocate for my needs in the sense of I'm feeling really overwhelmed like I'm not managing um and be able to kind of yeah I suppose outing the beast helps Mm. me to be like for people to feedback okay like you know what can you take off the list what you know what have you said yes to Mm. um yeah I mean in practical sense is that kind of planning and you know really looking at writing things down you know getting and like those sort of sense of achievement so really like actually doing stuff Mm. so like writing it all down and then and then starting with easy wins to feel like that momentum I can build Mm. um to kind of get through things but yeah um and uh, and also I suppose um sensory um like um looking after my sensory needs in the terms of kind of yeah using my headphones to kind of mm. cut out noise um yeah going and lying in the garden sort of seeking out going in the bath um I mm. think any of those kind of places where I can bring down the like rushing cortisol and all of that sort of stuff yeah um 
So, yeah, it sounds like you're pretty good at that, actually, Nand. <laughs> when you're saying it's like, oh, that's a pretty good toolkit. Yeah. So there's that reaching out, isn't there? There's that uh, actually, you know, asking for help in a way. Yeah. And yeah. saying and naming it. It's like speaking the feelings, naming it and saying, I feel like this to somebody you trust. So it's that connection, which is very grounding. Yeah. Yeah, and I think what's interesting about getting that list together, you know, so if you're listening to this and it's like, oh, I want to know why I drink or, you know, so it's like yeah. you can use the, that list in the book to, to riff off or there might be things that are for you, um, you know, like ang- what, what are those triggers or what are those emotions that I use alcohol as a coping strategy? Yeah. Um, and then you can start to build your toolkit it's like right okay yeah. and it starts with one thing you yeah. know and that because it can feel really overwhelming it's like I have no mm-hmm. idea how to manage any of this stuff it's like well it starts with just one thing and it might be going for a run or you know for me it was going in the bath yeah. that was my one thing for you might have been yoga I don't know mm. um, mine was um, yeah just distraction the first thing was just literally getting through those trigger times and the the uphill struggle to bed bed bedtimes when my husband was working in London late and the sober treats so there was that feeling of the a reward reward and I deserve it you know I've been good and and just literally just getting watching tv and getting through those times yeah I used to be on the on soberistas didn't we in those oh yeah as well yeah checking in responding to people writing you know commenting and I mean for me it was like Instagram for a a while which Mm. has its own problems (laughs) yeah um what was I going to say about that um no it's gone out my head so but you know I suppose the takeaway message as well for for mums is that you know I think we're both aware of that the the sort of it's it's a you know, when we become when we're mums, we do feel like there's that elevated sort of sense of responsibility and sort of shame, and we can be so hard on ourselves. And the last thing we need to feel like is that we need to be being told off that we're not good enough, mm. that we're doing something wrong, da, 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 which is why the alcohol conversation is such a difficult one yeah. and which is why it's so awful that we're marketed at like that and yeah. why we've always, always said that self-care approach is by basically having permission to ask what we need, whether yeah. that be more childcare, more support, more rest, just whatever it is mm. that, you, that we need to, to support us, yeah. you know? And that it's not that kind of moral judgment, which is so, so important. That's what I was going to say. I think I might start, I might reintroduce um, sober treats on a more regular basis. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like I need, Do you need some more treats. But yeah, just mm-hmm. that, that kind of, you know, I'd forgotten um, how protective I felt over my right to drink. Mm you know it was very very strong that like yeah I deserved it it was my treat I had this 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 to do you know leave me the fuck alone like this is the one thing that I have for myself um and I think you know 
that is very very hard to untangle in the beginning and I do think that sober treats are a very very skillful tool in that of just like you know what you wonderful human that is doing so so much for Mm. so many people yeah absolutely deserve a treat yeah and these are all the other things that you that will help you and will be really nourish you and be kind to you and you are allowed all of those yeah and um yeah so anyway that just reminded me of that um so in terms of um what has sobriety given to you Mm. um yeah what are the gifts of sobriety that have given to you as a mum as a mum the the being present um having energy um having that the the, a really big part for me was that sort of peace of mind uh Mm. that i can that if i am needed that i'm that i'm there and that i'm present um so i think those, those are really really big and i think as my kids have got older i think it's it's what's come come out of that that sort of personal development piece about healing my own stuff you know and being able to to love on myself you know that self-love piece that self-compassion piece so that I can accompany my own feelings I can be present I can listen and then I can soothe and I can allow them which I didn't know how to do so to be able to to be with my children and I still find it challenging sometimes and if I'm knackered I'm like oh why do I have to do this um but to and I often have to catch myself, not going to analysis with them, but say, I'm sorry, that sounds really hard for you. So listen to how they're feeling, help them articulate how they're feeling. And when they go into the whole analysis mode, how does that make you feel? That must have been tough for you. I'm sorry that that's been shitty today for you, sweetheart. You know, so that I think that that connected up thing where I can I can I can be there for what they feel, actually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and much the same, really. I think it's it's that emotional intelligence work. It's the it's the emotional toolkit and the understanding um, is the long term gains, isn't it? You know, it's that sense of like actually, you know, rest. <laughs> you know, yeah. Don't worry about it. Just rest. Um, yeah, being empathetic rather than anything else. You know, so mm-hmm. it's just like that being able like just being able to hold that like oh man yeah that sucks yeah yeah for you oh that sounds really horrible yeah Mm. oh yeah sorry school's so hard yeah Yeah. rather than trying to fix it you know just leaving them to express their own emotions um and the whole range of emotions you know and 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 allowing that and that's been a lot of work it's like it's it's okay to be angry it's okay to be sad it's you know all none of these are a bad um bits about it's about sort of meeting i think sobriety sorry i've interrupted you but that sobriety allows me to meet myself where i'm at and meet the people that i love where they're at yeah i think that's probably it that i yeah and i do think that thing of um like it's what i love is that 
because I'm conscious and it is a conscious practice that I keep my sobriety very present in my life Mm. Um, and I do think that is something that you kind of it's not like oh I'm thinking about it all the time but there is that reflective practice of like something will happen and I'll be able to be like huh I wouldn't have showed up in that way if I'd been drinking and I just keep that kind of quite close by um you know like yeah you know and having a a a sort of chat over dinner you know if that just yeah not drinking at the dinner table and actually just being fully sober to listen to their conversations and you know and yeah and making sure we get home all right and just the safety elements and but and also giving them choice you know it's just like they're growing up with a kind of sober positive experience which is you know there's they're going to make their own choices around it which is going to be awful (laughs) you know but at least it's like they have a reference point of what it is to not drink and you know open conversations around anxiety and and certainly that's something that shifted between my, my husband and I that he hasn't a deeper understanding around mental health and anxiety and those things that he can spot in our kids where their vulnerabilities might be to alcohol mm. which just he had no idea before because it, he had no reference point um so yeah it's just yeah and like and I'm so much more fun I'm just I am just a nicer person I'm a nicer mum I just am I'm just I'm never hung over I'm not so worried about things I'm not like so trying to control things you know like stuck in that like control because I was trying to control booze that everything else was in that kind of heightened state of control I'm just like more yeah just lay, lay back I just don't really can laugh at myself mm. in a way that I definitely couldn't before it's just everything had become incredibly serious mm unless I was pissed which is really sad (laughs) you know um so yeah lots and lots of gifts yeah which is nice to reflect upon it's really nice to reflect upon and I love what you said about that and I think that that's something that I could mindfully bring in a little bit more because no you know what my rambling mind is like Mm. like I'm very rambly rambly Um, So bringing it back to structures and basics and remembering that, reflecting Mm. gratefully and mindfully on what sobriety gives me throughout the day, I think it's a brilliant idea. Mm. Yeah. Yes, dude. Okay, we better wrap up. Yeah, I think we should. (laughs) It's been nice, though. It's been nice to... uh, to delve off into that topic. And it's nice for me. I'm enjoying. And I'll, you know, we'll say this truthfully hand on heart to be able to hold this book and to look at the colorful cover and to feel really proud of that you know and we'd have never written this right we've never written this book if we hadn't got sober yeah and it felt like a labor of love and it was and it was exactly the book that I think both of us needed to write and wanted to write you know wasn't it to speak to that piece that we're speaking to today and it feels like a kind of a reflection today and a revisiting but I remember when we when we wrote it when we were talking about it when we were living through it that first cycle it's like this just has to have voice because we just have to 
cool yeah. bullshit and put the toolkit out there for other mums. Like we wanted to yeah. send that raft out to other people. So feels feels um, yeah. So what's your tip of the day and your reason to love sober? Oh, I don't know. Tip of the day. Tip of the day, I think, is what I'm going to do later on is to get out in this sunshine today. It's beautiful. To, to explore the senses, to live in a sensory world and invite that awareness. Mm. And my reason to love sober is that I even think like that. Yeah. yeah you know so rushing around and just not being present what about you uh tip of the day tip of the day um this is actually something that a client said to me yesterday I think it was today it was a realization that she had had um which was here it is um yeah that now is not a transitional period mm um because she's been back and forth back and forth back and forth and that realization that yeah now is not a transitional period like now is is when you make things happen you make changes you know it's like love that yeah it was That's pretty, so powerful that's like proper the yeah. Dalai Lama would like to have said that yeah it, it does come from something it comes from a book <laughs> it does not read. come from the Dalai Lama <laughs> yeah no it can't, I, can't, I can't remember where it comes from but it came from a book that she'd read and then she read it in a an article which don't you just love that kind of divine intervention of just like being able to see that at the right moment just to be mm. like oh okay yeah um yes yeah, so yeah. I love that and um reason to love sober yeah just all the all the things all the things all the things because I don't yeah I don't drink anymore <laughs> it's really nice that's it that's job yeah. done. <laughs> there is to love sober is that I don't drink anymore <laughs> yeah. uh, okay right so yeah if you're immediately concerned about your drinking just reach out send up a flare know that you're not alone check everything out at um lovesober.com um our book is on offer actually for the next few days if you're listening to yeah. this before next week um there's some offer on it okay. so check that it's out it's one 1.99 i believe um on uh, uh, amazon oh, yeah um so yeah go check it out yeah and yeah and just a little please share um please tell your friends please you know like um leave a review if you like it yeah um we don't ever say stuff like that do we about no. the podcast or anything you know um yeah but yeah actually it's it's it would be <laughs> yeah, anyway be move on it's part um, of the thing isn't it to get the to help other people to raise awareness and yeah. to just spread the good news in a way yeah. That made yeah. me feel like I was back in 1983 <laughs> in my evangelical church. So that's, that's not a you happy way to should... end, is it? <laughs> you know, when it's that moment, it's just like we should have ended this podcast yeah. like yeah. three minutes ago. Yeah, um, yeah. anyway, uh, look after yourselves and we'll see you next week for more chat. <laughs>